Welcome back to the Smart HVAC Marketing Podcast, the podcast for HVAC contractors who are ready to quit screwing around and begin growing their business. My name is Eric Thomas, and I am the host of the show. And this podcast is powered by Rival Digital, which is a full-service digital marketing agency for HVAC contractors. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Smart HVAC Marketing Podcast. My name is Eric Thomas. I am the host of the show. And today we are joined by Claire Ferreira from Standard Heating and Air Conditioning. Claire, thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me, Eric. Absolutely. So, Claire, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself for our our audience and our listeners out there uh, and just tell us a little bit more about the Standard Heating story. Yeah. So, I'm Claire, (laughs) coming to you here from uh, Minneapolis, Minnesota. Um, I am president of Standard Heating and Air Conditioning. Um, as of a month before COVID showed up, uh, I am majority owner of the business as well. Um, been in my family for 91 years. My grandfather started the business in 1930. Um, I don't currently have other uh, cousins in the business, but I do work with my uncle. My dad's retired. Uh, we do residential heating and air conditioning and serve, um, gosh, all seven county metro in our area. Wow. So this is a family business. Yes, sir, it is. That's awesome. So I also, this today's been a double recording day for me, and I had recorded one earlier, and it was also a family business, kind of like a third or fourth generation as well. So this is really cool. This is very uh, unique and kind of unlikely for us to have this many family businesses uh, on the show. So I'm really excited to dive into this and find out more. Um, so why don't you just tell us a little bit more about um, – about Standard and kind of why you uh, decided to kind of take over the family business and and run with it. Sure. Um, So kind of for reference, we're like I mentioned, we're residential. So that's all we do is residential replacement. Uh, We have about 110 employees. um, And yeah, we've had quite a bit of growth the last couple of years, like many in our industry. Uh, I grew up around the business, though. I haven't always worked in it. Um, But when I was a little kid, you know, came to work with my dad on Saturdays, ran around in the warehouse, that kind of thing. Uh, In my teens, I did some work in the summers uh, out in the field. And when I was about 19, I was working with the installers, you know, just as a second set of hands learning. And that's when I decided I wanted to come back here someday Uh, because I just thought it was pretty cool um, that we could go into a home. Something doesn't work. We build it new and the customer's comfortable and they, they love the environment in their home. So that was really kind of the motivation, like the first time around. Uh, and then I kind of, I thought to myself, wow, it'd be pretty cool to just kind of continue the family legacy and help solve people's problems and make them comfortable in their homes. That's a, a pretty great way to add to your community. Yeah. So you said you have over 100 employees. How many uh, service vehicles do you all have out running on the roads every day? Yeah, so we have a fleet of about 75 vehicles on the road um, on any given day. Uh, We have 15 in our service department. We have a maintenance department of uh, just over 20. You know, we have about, gosh, 28, 30 people in our install department. We have a fleet of salespeople. So we got quite a few people on the road every day. Yeah. So when when you came into the family business, how big was it approximately? Gosh, um, let's see. I first started working here again in 2016, and we were probably around 75 to 80 employees. Okay, cool. So it's yeah. it's grown pretty significantly even since then. About yeah. 35 people or so. Yeah. 
and you said that you got you had previously kind of helped um just as a second pair of hands and whatnot and even as a child um what are some of the the big things that have changed in the industry or even in the business uh from the time when you were a kid to now <laughs> uh yeah gosh a lot of things uh, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, for us here in Minnesota, there's a one big thing that has changed in the last, gosh, 20 years for sure, um, certainly longer. Uh, we used to be really a heating business, right? We're in Minnesota. People think it gets really cold here, and it does. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we're also actually now in the air conditioning business more than we've ever been. So, you know, 40 years ago, air conditioning was an add-on, right? It was like nice to have, maybe you had it. Um, really in the 2000s and, and beyond now. Um, and so when I was, you know, a kid, uh, it started to become a necessity and it gets really hot in Minnesota and humid. So oh, really? now we actually are both a heating and an air conditioning company. So that's a big change for us. Yeah. Um, and certainly how we reach our customer has changed. Uh, you know, it used to be 60% traditional marketing media, 40% maybe digital. Um, yeah. And that is totally swapped. Um, our customers find us online and that is very different today. Yeah. So, um, you know, going back to the, the heating and the cooling, uh, you know, it says, I know your website is standardheating.com. Uh, so when you all decided to go a little more heavy on the air conditioning, is that when you added and air conditioning to the name? It's a great question. Uh, no, actually, we've always been standard heating and air conditioning. Oh, okay. Uh, awesome. But, you know, that's how the website started. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So how much of the year is, is really cold versus warm there? Is it, is it pretty like a four seasonal type of place or is it like kind of two seasons? Yeah. Uh, that's a great question. Um, I'd like to say it depends on the year, but, uh, really I will say the last couple of years, it seems like there's two seasons. It's either hot or cold and there's a very small window in between. Um, mm-hmm. but I, I would say there are a couple of shoulder months for us, you know, mm-hmm. April, March, April is usually in between. And I would say maybe September is in between. Um, but your October through February is very cold season, deep cold, yeah. uncomfortable cold, furnaces breaking, people needing us left and right. Yeah. So here at, at Rival Digital, it sounds like your area is kind of what we consider to be the Goldilocks zone uh, because it's it's like you don't really have – like the four seasons where you have two seasons that are kind of slow, like here in Virginia, you know, uh, summertime's popping and like wintertime is kind of popping. And then like the fall and the springtime, it's like, eh, you might get a call here and there. Um, but then there's like the Midwest States where it's like blistering hot and then like freezing cold. And then it's, it's like 24 seven busy. Is that kind yeah. of accurate? You know, I'll tell you, we've actually done some things intentionally to help with some of that because like everyone, you know, it's this kind of roller coaster. Um, The beginning of heating season, October, November, it's everyone, you know, all hands on deck, slows down around the holidays, picks up again after the holidays. Um, And then, like I said, slows down a little bit, March, April, um, by May, people may be turning on the air conditioners and then it's, you know, we're running again. So uh, we actually really have been intentional about our maintenance program and when we get customers to do maintenance and they do it on our timing. Um, there's always going to be people that call us on their timing, but we're, we direct that. And so that actually gets our customers to think about things in advance and starts the wave when we're slower 
So it actually keeps our people busier. Our maintenance techs are busy. Their referrals to service, right, for for stuff that, that's not working real great. And then they yeah. get on top of those referrals to sales early on to kind of start the wave for us. And that's really helped us out. But otherwise, otherwise we're running when we're not yeah. doing that. Yeah. So so let's talk a little bit about your maintenance programs. What's uh, what's something unique or, or special about y'all's compared to maybe some of the competition or other contractors? Sure. So, you know, I think you've seen um, that now it's pretty popular. There's a tiered model, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what we've had from the beginning uh, was a tiered model based on age of equipment, uh, dictates visits per year. Um, something that's been big for us uh, has been getting people on monthly payment. So that's been key. Mm-hmm. Those people actually tend to stay on our plan and actually engage us in our plan and have us do the work and all of that mm-hmm. more so than the people who are just a one-time annual pay. So yeah. um, that's something people may not have thought about from the business side of it, but um, that has helped us actually retain customers. We have more touch points with them. We're talking to them more. Yeah. They're paying on a monthly basis. Yeah. And I've, I've even seen some people where it's like you can do, and this is pretty common in regards to like any software or anything you get online where it's like you can get it, you know, the full year for a hundred bucks or you can do monthly for 1299. So like it makes more sense to give you the money up front, but I'm, I'm honestly more in favor of the monthly model in regards to like heating and air conditioning. Cause like you said, it, it keeps them engaged and they're actually going to reach out to you more often about the smallest things. I see it all the time now where they're like, Hey, I've got a maintenance plan and like, my, yeah. you know, my sink kind of smells a little bad. Do you have like a plumber that could come where it's like, they're an HVAC company and they're like, do you, could you do my plumbing too? And so it, <laughs> it opens up different areas of opportunity that you may not have gotten if they weren't a, a maintenance program customer. Oh, absolutely. And, and we've had um, really a lot of success in growing our program. We have about 13,000 uh, customers on our maintenance program today And really that's come down to our technicians. You know, they're in those homes and the amount of time they spend in those homes um, and what they cover with the customer, you know, really being there to take an educational approach and get the customer involved, that's made a huge world of difference for us. Um, And so we've seen a lot of retention because of that. Yeah, awesome. So um, I guess how how long ago did y'all begin kind of dialing in these maintenance programs? Oh my gosh. You know, we've structured it this way for, gosh, it's got to be at least 10 years. Um, But we've really fine-tuned, you know, who we hire to be a maintenance technician um, in the last, more so even in the last probably six years, um, as we started to grow our customer base there and kind of see what what are they asking for? What do they need? What do they see value in? Um, So I would say for us, it's really been the last six to seven years that we've really dialed it in. Yeah. Awesome. So what's it like um, doing HVAC in the state of Minnesota, other than the weather and kind of the shoulder seasons? Uh, what's some other things about the state of Minnesota that makes doing HVAC there a little special? So there's a couple of things, um, which some people may not know. We, we are a state where there's a utility that competes with us. So and we actually have two utilities that compete with us on both um, the electric and the gas side. And, you know, I don't know this for sure. I just have kind of some approximate estimates based on data I've seen before, but they own roughly 25, 30% of the market could be more. Uh, And so that, I mean, it's hugely competitive from that standpoint. Mm -hmm. We've got a lot of really good contractors in the area too, but 
you know, the big elephant in the room, right, is that we have, we have utilities. And so that's a little bit different and makes our area even more competitive. Um, something else I would say uh, that is equal parts wonderful and challenging is that we're a highly regulated state. So all of our, we have to have business licenses, but all of our cities and municipalities that we work in, we have to have a license for. And then on top of that, all of our people in the Twin Cities in Minneapolis and St. Paul have to have their own personal, what's called competency card. So there's a lot of regulation here. And on one hand, that's, it's expensive, right? It can be challenging to navigate. It's a lot just administratively. But on the other hand, it's really forced all of us for a long period of time here in Minnesota to have a high quality of work, right? Yeah. Because because people are checking on it and, and measuring and there's a barrier to entry yeah. in that way. So if you all get a new service technician, will you all sponsor for them to get all of that or do you require them to have it prior to? Yeah, so we actually will sponsor them. And we have our own, what's called, a, I mean, it's an apprentice training program uh, that's accredited and uh, we'll put them through that training. Plus they get their on the job training and we certify all their hours and help them fill out their applications oh, wow. for what they need. Uh, so we work with everyone who comes to us, every single field person, we put them through that process. Wow. That's awesome. So with the local utilities company, how, how do you really, you know, stand out against that? I know you said it's pretty competitive and, and for them to have 30% of the market share, yeah. like that's, that sounds like it could be pretty challenging. Obviously you all have, you know, navigated that pretty well since you've been in business for so long. So, so what are some ways that you all have gone about competing with them? You know, I think a lot of it is about brand recognition. Truly Uh, people are very familiar with the utility and that's what you have to overcome, right? It's, it's Mm -hmm. easy. They already use them for their gas, their electricity. um, So they trust them in that way. And that's, that's the biggest barrier, right? Is, is working against someone that the customer automatically kind of trusts Um, And so we've just really had to work hard at getting our name out there. So we found that we're often in the home um, competing against the utility because they know our name. So for us, you know, we lean heavily on our family business, our values. We've been values driven since before that was popular um, (laughs) in our industry and in all business. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, you know, we've got just as good a product. Everyone's putting in a similar box. Right. So we distinguish ourselves through our educational approach and our people. Okay, cool. And I feel like, I don't know, me personally, and maybe it's it's different there than it is here, but like, I don't, I don't necessarily trust the city workers and like the utility workers <laughs> that are always out because I'll see them like, I'll be leaving the house and I'll see like 10 people out working on a telephone pole or something. And one of them's actually sure. working and the rest of them are just standing around. <laughs> so I feel like I would rather trust like the company that has all of their certifications and like has a nice rigorous training program and a good, you know, household name over the city or whatever it may be, the municipality. And what you're talking about is the feedback that we get from customers, right? They, they may, they don't tell us that they don't trust the city, right? So that's an interesting perspective actually that you have. Um, but I believe some people probably do have that perspective. Uh, but what they do tell us is that, you know, wow, you know, the credentials of your people, the amount of training, the level of experience, you know, because we have so many longtime employees, right? Yeah. Um, the guarantees we make, the warranties we've got, all those things. And, and the salesperson or the service technician or the maintenance tech in their home has spent so much time with them and educated them. They feel yeah. like, wow, you know, you solved my problems. You gave me knowledge. You respected me. And we, we win them with our, with our people. Yeah. 
Absolutely. Yeah. And the people, I feel like the people make all the difference. And that was something we were kind of talking about earlier in a previous episode was like, you know, you can teach people the hard skills. You can teach them the trade and, and, you know, the ins and outs of fixing an air conditioner, but you can't teach them hard work. You can't teach them how to have a good personality and how to smile and talk to the customer. Yeah. You know, I think, I think some people you, you can teach some of those things, but it's really hard. You know, um, if someone's never either grown up around that or, or been taught that previously, you know, teach them to put a smile on your face when you get out of your truck, right? When you're walking up can be hard. It's a lot of self-awareness. Um, and that's, that's really where your hiring process comes into play because, you know, you really got to vet some of that out from the moment someone walks in the door. Um, at the same time, you know, I think someone's drive for just personal learning and success is really crucial because, I've seen people walk in the door that don't have a lot of life experience or worldly experience, um, never had a job before, right, before they come to us. And they find ways to learn that, but they're really self-driven, um, yeah. really want to be self-improving all the time. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. And um, I, I think that, it, you know, it, it does go a long way just to to be, you know, a nice person to the customer and smile and and have you know, all those good soft skills that they call them. Um, mm-hmm. even, even if you have to practice it in the mirror at home. Um, so, so what are some of those like vetting, you know, some of the other ways that you kind of vet people when they come in for interviews for those sure. skills? Yeah. Um, you know, I'm really trying to figure out not only are they kind of self-driven, right. And what are their personal motivations? Um, but the way I describe this is like, are people living under a rock? Um, what, you know, are they aware of anything happening in the world? Do they have hobbies? Is there something they're passionate about, whether it's cooking or fishing or hunting or reading or, you know, like some activity that they're involved in? Because if people have something that they're passionate about, that they're consistently involved in, or there's a way that they pay attention to the world, um, those people are engaged, you know, and that's someone that others can relate to. Uh, and so that's really a huge focus um, when we're interviewing yeah. people. That's awesome. Well, it is time now for us to do our HVAC trivia. Are you <laughs> up for the challenge? <laughs> I mean, I sure. Why not? All right. These could be challenging. They could be simple. I'm not really sure. I always pull up a random website and find out fun HVAC facts. And I, I form them into questions. So the first question is pretty easy. I ask the same one every time. So if you're listening to this and you're going to be a guest one day, you better not get this wrong. Who was the first person to invent an air conditioner? I mean, I want to say uh, Will's Carrier, but yep, yep, that was it. Okay, that's that's, that's the warm up. I like to I like I like okay. to lead with a nice easy warm up. That way, every guest gets at least one question right. Do people get that wrong? No, so far everyone's gotten it right. Okay. If you're out there listening and you ever join us on the podcast and you get that wrong, we will judge you. Yeah. I suppose that <laughs> you right. know what people's background is, but Yeah. Yeah. Okay, here comes a uh an economical question for you. Okay. Window air conditioners cost about $350 in the 1940s. This is roughly how much in today's value? Um I'll give okay. you I'll give you a few choices here. Okay. A $1,000, B, $3,500, C, $10,000, or D, $50,000? It's 
a window air conditioner? Yep. Cost about $350. How much is that in today's value? Oh my gosh. I mean, I want to, I want to say 3,500, but I don't know. I, you would be right. 3,500. Okay. Ding, ding, ding. <laughs> All right. You're two for two. All right. We got one question left. The high score so far is, is two out of three. So if you get this one right, you are our new leader. Okay. No pressure. This is a, this is a heating question. So it might be, might be good for you. Um, these people were the first to design heated floors. They did so by laying stones over a source of heat in the ground. That is a great question. A source of heat there. Yeah, that's creative too. Um, oh my gosh. I, I, I don't know. This has got to be someone in a cold climate somewhere. This, this, <laughs> this took place a long time ago. Um, and there could have been a Trojan horse involved. Oh, uh, that would have been Greek, wouldn't it? The Greeks? Um, wait, I might have given Ro- you the wrong hint. <laughs> it is the Romans. Yeah. I'll give you that one because I gave you a bad hint. Um, <laughs> I think you were right. I don't, I'll actually have to look into the, the, the Trojan horse thing because yeah. I feel like that was actually – the Greeks. Isn't that Greek mythology is like what came to mind, but like, you know, Greeks and Rome. I threw out both. Yeah. Greeks and- <laughs> you did. You were right. It, it was the Greeks. You know, you know that history better than I do. All right. So you, uh, we're, we'll give you that one. Three for three. You are our new leader. Yay. All right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So we're, we're actually working on pulling up like a cool, like sound effect or like something there. So it's, it's sure. you know, a little more fun. Yeah. So in the future, Keep uh keep on listening to that. So, um, diving back into this conversation, uh, I heard you mention earlier that it used to be kind of a sixty forty split between like traditional and some of these other uh, avenues of marketing. What's that breakdown look like today? Yeah, it's the complete opposite, right? So now it's probably sixty to sixty five percent digital, um, and then the rest is traditional because we still do actually get a very solid return on what we invest in. Um, in traditional. So people are still paying attention to billboards, interestingly enough, um, yeah. and direct mail still has a big impact. Yeah. Of the two between direct mail and billboards, which ones do you all see has a higher conversion rate as far as like the lead source goes? Direct mail, for direct sure. Mail. You know, the billboards, we've looked at that um, more as branding mm-hmm. and awareness. Um, and people mentioned to us, right, oh, we've seen that or we've heard about it or oh it was funny or whatever it is but for sure direct mail um i will also mention interestingly enough that the yellow pages is a source that we still get leads from but more so on their you know they have some digital stuff um Mm -hmm. but people there is a demographic that that is still in their wheelhouse so they're using like the digital version or they're actually still getting like the hard book Yep. Some of them are still getting the book. We don't put a lot into that. Um, I just like to throw that tidbit out there because people almost don't believe us, but I'm like, no, we get leads. Yeah, I, They're good leads. So roughly out of all the leads you get throughout the year, what percentage of, is yellow pages? Um, a couple, actually probably a couple percentage points. Really? So it's, not, it's not tons, but it's not nothing. You know, yellow it's maybe, pages. It's maybe a, it's, yeah. Yeah. Making a comeback. Yeah. <laughs> That's incredible. That's, yeah. that, that is the first time out of almost 50 episodes that I've heard someone say they've gotten a lead from the Yellow Pages. Yeah, that's why that's I like really to cool. throw that out there because, yeah. uh, again, we don't invest a ton into it. 
Um, and, you know, we're slowly eliminating that source over time as we see a yeah. drop. But I just like to throw it out there because people don't believe us. And it actually yeah. still works. Are you all, do you have your name listed in the yellow pages as like AAA standard heating? Or do you? <laughs> no, we've thought about it, but we haven't done that. <laughs> Oh, so so of the digital advertising, what do you see the greatest return on investment from? Uh, I mean, Google uh, is where we you know see majority of our traffic come from. Um, certainly, you know we've worked really hard to optimize our website, so we actually get a, a lot of return through our website, just organic mm-hmm. search through Google and, yeah. and with our website. Um, Facebook uh, can be decent sometimes. Um, I would say Yelp has actually historically in the past delivered pretty decently for us as well. Really? Are you all running? Do you do advertisements on Yelp? Yes, we do. Okay. So, yeah, I feel like Yelp's another one that can sometimes be a little hit or miss for some people based on, you know, if they're advertising or not through them. Um, Yeah. And they change their algorithm too in terms of your ratings and how you're rated and all those kinds of things. So it's, Yelp is tricky. Um, yeah. I would say, but we have seen success with it. Yeah. So I, I heard you just mentioned that Facebook can kind of be a little hit or miss. Um, what are what are some of the, like the takeaways from Facebook for you all? Is it, is it more brand awareness, top of mind awareness type stuff, or are you doing yes. some like lead gen advertising? Yeah, I would say it is. We do some of both, but it is more brand awareness uh, yeah. for sure. And you know, I say hit or miss um, because it's one of those things where there's a lot of people that use Facebook and rely on it. But we have, you know, another generation and new demographics coming in that don't rely as heavily on Facebook anymore. So, um, you know, we're, we're having to get, get kind of got to get creative again. Uh, we do see a fairly strong return, though. I would say it's something that we feel good about. And we don't have to spend a ton of money in comparison to some of the other lead sources to get some decent reach out of it, mm-hmm. which is nice. Oh, yeah. Facebook, like using lookalike audiences. I know this is we're starting to get a little nerdy on the Facebook stuff, but okay. <laughs> like using a lookalike audience from like your, even your customer list uh, can can work wonders if you're trying to get leads. Um, yep. And and even just running targeted ads into particular neighborhoods. We've seen that work pretty well. Uh, so, yeah, there is some value in Facebook. I will say I agree. Facebook is really good for brand awareness. Um it also works if you if you're doing like promotions or discounts or something, but um, yeah, I would say definitely like, and it is way cheaper, uh, more cost effective than like Google. Yeah, because um, yep, Google, so. Google can get very expensive for those for those clicks sometimes. Absolutely, it can. Yeah. Yep, I agree. Yeah. Well, Claire, this has been this has been an awesome episode. Um, I've loved the perspective. I've loved hearing about your success with Yellow Pages, um, and <laughs> and the family business story. Um, What's some advice that you would give to someone out there who may be listening right now or or in the future uh, about just running an HVAC business uh, and, you know, keeping up with it over the years? Yeah, it's a great question. It's something I think about a lot. Um, I would tell somebody probably two things. One, surround yourself with good people. You don't have to be the smartest person in the room. You do not have to be the expert on everything. I used to feel like I had to know every piece of everything. Um, and that's not, that's not true. Um, people can be better than you at something and you should hire them for that and then learn from them. So that's number one, don't need to be the smartest and hire good people. Uh, the other thing I would tell people, um, is, (laughs) is really, you're never going to feel prepared. 
So, you know, I used to think, oh, there'll come a day when I feel like I've totally got this and I know my role and I know all the things. You're never going to feel that way. That's normal and that's okay. And you should keep doing it anyway. Yeah, that's awesome advice. And I will even say that um, if you're listening out there and you're someone in the industry that you're like, man, I would I would love to hear from this person. Uh, let me know because I'll actually reach out to them and try to get them on the podcast because we're always trying to, uh, you know, improve the value of this show and, and get the people on here. People like Claire and some of the some of the big companies out there on this show, so we can learn from them, learn from their experience. So, if you know of people out there that you want on the show, just just let me know uh, on our website or or by email. Um, so, Claire, thank you so much. This has been truly awesome. Uh, what's some ways that people can uh, contact you or learn more about your business if they want to reach out and connect. Yeah, this has been great, Eric. So thank you for having me. Um, Really, you should go to our website or look us up on Facebook. So standardheating.com, you know, and you can find us there. You can reach me through through standardheating.com. So yeah, go check out our story. We'd uh, love to talk to more people. Tell them who we are. Awesome. Well, Claire, I hope you have a great rest of your afternoon and we will talk soon. Sounds good. Thanks, Eric. Yep. Have a great day.